And welcome everyone back to the Away Team Podcast here on PressBasketball.com. Uh, today is a little bit of a different one. We have James out on a, he's like literally moving, so he's not available this week. So I thought, what better time to get into the rant mode, which I've always kind of wanted to do. And I'm just going to give you a quick breakdown of the first round of the NBA playoffs. And I'm not going to break it down in some traditional way where they're like, you know, I'm expecting this team to win against this team. I mean more like really actually look at the teams and say, what does it mean for this team to be in the playoffs and and what could be kind of going forward? So let's stay in the East. We'll, we'll go with the number one seed. I know, like mentally, it was just so weird to not say the Cleveland Cavaliers for the first time in a while. It's not them. Um, so we have the Boston Celtics against the Chicago Bulls. I think this is an interesting series for the sole reason that I think it's all about Jimmy Butler. At the end of the day, um, this is a player that, assumingly, um, the Celtics could have had at the trade deadline. There were varying degrees of, you know, who was the the point, the sticking point to the trade. Um, I heard Jay Crowder at the end was that, so it may have been just something as simple as Jay Crowder, number one pick and something else. Now, it's interesting, right? Because with Boston, their number one pick is actually Brooklyn. So Brooklyn is just god-awful terrible. And so that pick's probably gonna be pretty high, but it's not guaranteed to be a number one pick, right? So you're sitting there and you're like, well, let's just say it's a number one pick or number two pick and I get Ball or Fultz or maybe even Josh Jackson. And I'm like, well, these guys are probably not ready until, you know, probably a couple years, right? Because rookies generally suck. Like as, as flashy as they can be, they're generally not players who add that much value into a team that's trying to contend right now, that matters. And let's, let's be real, their best player being Boston is a point guard. So if you're drafting one of the top players being Baller Fultz, you're replacing your best player. And then what are you gonna do? Resign someone that plays the same position? I think this is an, I think this is an interesting team. I think Boston's way more in a win now need than they think uh, with Al Horford uh, getting on the wrong side of 30. Uh, Isaiah Thomas as a small guard gonna be on the wrong side of 30 by the time his next contract's kind of rolling around and the rest of the team being on good contracts, but they won't be on for long. So I think they should have traded for Jimmy Butler or Paul George, but this one's interesting because Jimmy Butler is kind of proving the whole world right that they should have given up the assets. I mean, assets only matter if they turn into anything, right? So yes, Ball or Fultz could become superstars, but Jimmy Butler already is. Um, So this is gonna be one of those that I think Boston regrets. And I think that Boston may end up being one of those Atlanta Hawks teams of the, of the mid-2000s who just kind of won a bunch of games but was never quite good enough to do anything. And Chicago, I think, at the end of the year is going to be forced to trade Butler because I think they're going to be forced to kind of rebuild and there's an opportunity lost. I think they're going to end up having to ask for more because people are in a better position to reset. Okay, uh, next series we have the Cleveland Cavaliers uh, versus the Indiana Pacers. Again, one of the two, Paul George being in this conversation. Um, him against LeBron James. We're thinking this is when Paul George is going to be able to step up, really show that he's among the elite of the elite, and he is showing that. Um, but the rest of his team is not. Uh, I was saying from the beginning of the series that I thought the real difference here was going to be if Miles Turner was able to turn it on, you know, every game. I feel like he's really the difference. Like they're not a team that's great at scoring the ball. And he's a guy that when he can score, when he puts up his 2010 games, that team looks like a world beater. And it's weird because Teague seems to like lift himself up when Turner's playing better. Like I think Teague really wants to be that second score, uh, sorry, third score, not second score. 
and Paul George is not getting enough help. And as much as it's nice that, you know, LeBron James, the Cavs came back, uh, they're, you know, they're just a significantly better team. They have more talent uh, and they should win this series. And I think they will. Um, I think Cleveland going forward, um, unless something drastically different happens, I can't see them really changing. Like, like they're spending a lot of money. And as much as part of me wants to trade, um, you know, a guy like Kevin Love, I mean, I've been told, and it's true, like he's making like $17 million a year. For a guy like that, like that's the same money contextually as Evan Turner. So just uh, best as easily, like, like just let that go around your mind. Like, like the new NBA, the salaries are so warped that you can't really think of days gone by where 15 million was one of your best players. Um, so he's on a discounted deal. Obviously not going to get a Kyrie or Love, and ma maybe change some of your, you know, back end players. But I don't think too much changes there. Um, but for the Indiana Pacers, I think this is make or break, and I, I just don't see them getting past um, in uh, Cleveland. And so at the end of the day, this is going to be kind of what LeBron did in Cleveland. He stood around and waited for Cleveland to surround him with talent, and they didn't do it. I think Indiana's doing a better job than. Cleveland was doing back in 2007 and all that, um, but still not a great turnout. And at the end of the day, um, I, I think Paul George is going to leave, and I think rightfully so. I think if you have one of the superstars in this league, it's your job to put talent around them. Now, we've seen like it doesn't take a superstar team to be that far. You can just have a team that has two stars, three stars maybe, and you could still do really well. I just think there were too many guys out there and. As nice as Thaddeus Young and guys like that are, and uh, Jeff Teague, I mean, I think the George Hill trade was a huge mistake. Um, I think with George Hill right now, they're in a different position. I don't think they beat Cleveland, but... All right, so uh, those teams uh, said my piece there. We have the Raptors and we have the Bucks. Uh, I don't know how many people, except for me, uh, expected this one for the Bucks to be so dominant. I mean, when you look at the Raptors, I like... I quintessentially, as, as a closet GM, like anyone knows me knows, um, I love the business of basketball and the trading and the building more than I like the actual games, which may sound kind of sacrilegious, but you know, I guess you have to have all sorts. Um, I, I think the Raptors have better players than Milwaukee, um, but I think two things kind of count for Milwaukee. I think Milwaukee, as, as much as I've been really, you know, top about the, the, the Raptors reserves and bench. I think they have a really good bench. Uh, Milwaukee may have one of the better, you know, top end benches also. They're young, they're long. At the end of the day, when you have the best player, you usually win. And Giannis Antetokounmpo is just so much better than Kyle Lowry or Kevin, uh, sorry, Kyle Lowry or DeMar DeRozan, even on their good days, that when they're playing like garbage like this, like they have been for the last few playoffs, um, not even close. And at this point, like Chris Middleton's playing better than both of them. Even Greg Monroe in some plays. Like, they're, like if you had to list the players who are playing the best in this series, I don't know how high Lowry and Demar go on that list. And you were kind of expecting them to go two and three the whole way, or you were needing them to. Uh, Serge Ibaka looks frustrated. Um, I don't know if he's going to want to stay after this. JV looks utterly useless. Um, again, he's on one of those contracts that's pretty good for a starting center, but people are starting to wonder, is he a starting center? Having drafted Podol, who's honestly outplaying him, and having Baby and Siakam, I, I don't think they really need him in the offseason. Like, I, look, I know there's a lot of people out there who think Serge Ibaka is like 45 years old, but you know, I think he's probably about his age. And I think you sign him and you get rid of JV. I think 
and, and you don't even really care what you do with it. You, you just want to save money. Um, personally, I wouldn't even sign Lowry. I mean, I, I, I think if they lose, and I think they will, um, I don't see Lowry coming back. Like, I think you, the only reason you sign a guy over 30 to a max deal outside of, um, you know, Memphis, but, you know, uh, what's his face? Conley was about 29 at the time, so not quite the same, but pretty close. Um, is if you just have no other choices. And I think the Raptors have built them. I don't think the, I don't think Toronto and Memphis is the same kind of conversation and a draw. Like Toronto was a joke of a franchise for years, but I think people kind of want to go there now. I think they can recruit. Um, so I think trading JV, keeping Lowry, keeping uh, DeMar, and maybe getting kind of a sneaky free agent. Like I personally think in free agency, the best thing you want to do is get a bunch of those guys that weren't top three on the list of the free agents that everyone wanted. Um, so I think both these teams are set for really different second seasons, uh, almost regardless how this goes. I mean, just remember Milwaukee's doing this without um, Parker, who got hurt again with his knee. Um, now, whether they choose to keep Parker or trade him, uh, depending what they do with Monroe, they're just pretty stacked. Snell's looking good. Uh, Brogdon, as a rookie, is looking fantastic. Del Vadova behind him is showing his energy and his playoff toughness. I mean, I think guys like Del Vadova are just, you know, like they get paid in the regular season because of what they do in the playoffs. People are kind of sleeping on Delhi, like what he was doing this season. They're like, oh, terrible signing. Cleveland was good to get rid of him. Now listen, Cleveland got Deron Williams, who I'm a huge fan of. So, I mean, I'd rather him than Delhi, but I don't think Delhi was a bad signing, especially at 10 per. Like that's the type of cheapo money that he's making half of what Alan Crabb's making. Like, like just different contexts like that. So I think um, it's an interesting play that way. And then um, so Toronto, I think, ultimately goes down. And, and Milwaukee's sky's the limit. I think Thon is the real thing. I think he's just, you know, he's a tall, lanky big. They take a while to figure out. And between him, Giannis, and Middleton, I think they really have a future. And then you have Atlanta and Washington. Honestly, I, I don't really care about this series. I think both teams are kind of going to be bounced in the second round. I know John Wall is a superstar, but I kind of view him in the same way. I view Chris Paul as just something about guards that don't shoot, that uh, when they're your best player, that kind of bothers me. Um, so I think I think Washington probably takes this, but it's not going to change much. And you're spending so much money on Wall and Beal that I don't know if really anything changes on either team. Um, I don't know. I don't see a whole lot of people lining up to go to Atlanta. I think Paul Millsap could jump ship. I think he could be the interesting free agent in the offseason. I would love to see him in Minnesota, to be honest. Him next to Carl Anthony Towns in a modern front court um, with Wiggins, Levine, and Rubio, Dunn, however you want to play that. And their draft pick uh, could be a really interesting thing. Uh, so flipping on to the Western Conference, obviously uh, you have the Golden State Warriors against the Nurkic lists. Portland Trailblazers. This one really hurts me because I'm a big fan of the Blazers, especially when they have Nurkic. Like to me, uh, these guys are night and day when they have them on the court or not. When they don't have them, they're really missing Mason Plumlee. They're missing some rim protection, missing some toughness inside. And honestly, I just think it's the passing. Uh, both Plumlee and Nurkic were really good passing bigs. And I think for as good as CJ and Damian Lillard are, I think they play monumentally better when they have a big who can pass out. Like, I think they can create their own shot and initiate the offense, all that, sure. But I think this team is at the best when they go inside, play a bit that way, if they draw the deep, uh, the defenders, and then kick it back out, 
because Dame and CJ are fantastic shooters, so allow them to do that. Like, I don't think Dame and CJ, are the best part of their offense is on the initial attack. I, I, I think it's on the second and third bit. So I think as much as I want to root for Portland, I mean, it, it's, it's not realistic. These guys are toast. But I think not much is going to change um, outside of, you know, people said, said they overpaid for... Um, for Crab overpaid for uh, Zeely and overpaid for Turner, Evan Turner. But Turner's looking like a capable defender who can initiate offense again, creating those passing lanes for CJ and Dame. Like, I think guys like Turner and Nurkic really maximize Dame and CJ. It's going to be a money game at the end. And if Nurkic can kind of come in a bit slimmer next year, totally healthy, focused, I think they can contend for honestly like a six fifth or sixth spot like pretty easily um then after that we have san antonio and memphis um interesting series couple quotable bits but i i can't see san antonio losing this i mean honestly if they lose this they really got to go back to the drawing board i thought where they really just got killed is when they had pow and aldridge on the floor at the same time because both those guys are just so slow like like i feel like pow I mean, sorry, uh, LaMarcus Aldridge just really needs to go to a yoga class. Like, he cannot bend his torso forward. Just the way he runs, he runs like kind of like this limping gazelle. And it's like, it's, it's nice that he has his jump shot, but it's kind of useless. Um, Simmons is nice. Um, Deadman's awesome. Uh, Kawhi is awesome. Um, I think they just need a little bit more infusion of youth, although they have a bunch of it, like DeJunte Murray. But I just don't like where they're spending the money in the front court. Uh, so I think Spurs win that. I think Memphis is the interesting part because I think they're going to get bounced here. And even though Tony Allen's not in the series, you have to look at this team and be like, what are we really doing? So unless, unless Chandler Parsons comes back and just becomes a world beater, like maybe, sure, but probably not. And this is becomes a fairly irrelevant team. Um, I think it'd be an interesting play to go to teams like San Antonio. I know you just would have lost them, but if you go to San Antonio, be like, I'll, I'll trade you Mike Conley. Like, I know they don't have the greatest assets, but you could probably pull a few things and some picks. Um, uh, maybe you could even get some advising rights on how to use those picks, because San Antonio seems like the best drafting team out there. Um, I, I would kind of do that. I, I, I would rebuild. I would trade Mark. Like, like I, I really don't think Marcus Gasol or Mike Conley are ever going to have higher value, and I don't think they bring enough value to you that it really matters right now. Uh, so I think they're in for a big change. I think Spurs could be in for, like, I think those two teams actually should just mesh. Just become one really old, awkward team. They should just bring the Gasols together and Conleys. I don't know. Um, so then we have the Clippers. Am I getting the numbers right? No, we have Houston and OKC. OKC pulling off a cool gutsy win. I don't see this continuing. Um, I mean, uh, Russell Westbrook is like the, like the ultimate warrior of, of the NBA but ultimately it's not enough. He doesn't, his team's not suited for him. Like I would just really like to see Russell Westbrook ironically in a Mike D'Antoni system. Like if you put him in Houston with all those shooters, as much as we're saying it's made for Harden, I think equally Westbrook could jump into that and it could be super dynamic. Um, so one of those things that we just want to keep an eye on. Now, the last uh, series Clippers in Utah uh, I'm recording this, uh, we're Saturday, and Blake Griffin is out for the playoffs. Uh, so this really changes things. It, it killed me because Utah, for me, was that dark horse team I could really see kind of 
making some noise, even against Golden State. I like their length, I like their depth. You got a lot of those 6'8 rangy guys in the wings who traditionally will give uh, Golden State a little bit more trouble. I think Joe Johnson, the playoff superstar, I think Boris Dion knows what he's doing. Um, Rudy Gobert going down the first 20 seconds is pretty brutal. But if you look at some of the tape, it looks like he's making his way back. And this is getting some some reps for favors. Like I, like, I don't think he would have really liked to play this much coming off an injury right now. But ultimately, if Gobert can come back and they put themselves in a the position to maybe win. And, and I think losing Griffin kind of evens that out for them. Um, this could be a team that you really want to watch out for, especially if anything, you know, knock on wood, like, like I never wish an injury if anything ever happens to Golden State's big guys. Um, I, I just think the bigs there can ha wreak havoc on defense, are very mobile, and can do a lot of good. So I think uh, Utah is, this is a big, big year. I think they have the potential to do big things, but if they don't, I could see it all falling apart. Hayward may be out, Hill may be out, Favors may be out. Yeah, it may be uh, the Stifle Tower just being stifled with no help around them. And the Clippers, same thing. Like, this is a real make-or-break year for both. I think if the Clippers somehow figured it out and won it all, I think they'd re-sign. But other than that, I think the majority of them are gone. So I want to know what you guys think. Uh, thanks for listening to me rant on that one. Um, this is the Away Team podcast on Press Basketball. And we're just covering the first round here with James Gunn doing his moving thing. This is Sporting Phil on Twitterverse and all the rest. And... Uh, We'll catch you next time.